So our theme for this month is One Journey, Many Paths. And today's talk is Loving Life, which I kind of find a little ironic. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting time to be having a talk called Loving Life. I mean, right now, here we are, we're smack in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. We are sheltering in place. We're double masking, double masking now. Are you, are you on that program? Yeah, me too. Okay, double masking, waiting for our turn at the vaccine counter, maybe jobless, maybe losing income, even if you have a job, maybe it's been scaled back. And we're going to talk about loving life right smack in the middle of all of that stuff. I think it's funny sometimes. Well, anyway, while all of this is going on, we are being called to love life exactly the way it is and exactly the way it is not, you know? So, so I guess the question becomes, can we love life um, while we're not liking it very much. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really what we're talking about here. Can we experience joy in the midst of grief? Can we know peace in the midst of chaos? Can we see abundance in the midst of scarcity? These are kind of the questions that we're dealing with right now, right? When I'm asking you to love life in the middle of a not-so-pleasant experience, you know? Most of all, right now, the question, I guess, is can we find the gift right here, right now, in the midst of this pandemic? You know, I was thinking about it because we, because we live in such a consumer-driven economy, right? More money means we can buy more stuff, which means we'll be happier. That's the theory anyway, right? The, the, you know, the fact is we trade our time for money. We work more. We spend less time at home. We devote maybe less time to our relationships. We trade our time for money to buy us things to make us happy. So how's that working out, right? <laughs> Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind textbook wrote this, Cosmic creation is from idea to object. It knows nothing about process. Process is involved, but not consciously. Correct practice knows the ultimate right action is now, today. If we say tomorrow is going to be, then according to the very law we are using, we hold the answer in the state of future, which can never become the present. You know, we're always going to be happy when right? When this happens or when that happens. And what we must come to realize is that we can only be happy in the now, right? We can't be happy when, when this happens, when I get that, when I move here, when whatever. Because if we're always holding it out in the future, that's where it remains. That's where the law must put it, in the future. So it never happens. And then what happens, <laughs> Right? While we're busy making plans for these things that are going to happen, when we're going to be happy sometime in the future, what happens? We have a worldwide pandemic. No work, 
no more commute, no more happy hour, (laughs) no more dinners out at restaurants, no more stopping at the gym on the way home. No, now it's sweatpants and Zoom meetings, right? If you're fortunate enough to still have a job. So where is the gift in that? That's what we have to come to. Where is the gift in that? You know, the term destination addiction was coined by the British philosopher um, and psychologist, Dr. Robert Holden, in his 2011 book, Authentic Success. And he wrote this. He said, beware of destination addiction. A preoccupation with the idea that happiness is in the next place, the next job, or with the next partner. Until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it will never be where you are. Okay, so we have been given this worldwide timeout, right? Like we're five. (laughs) We've been given this timeout to come to terms with our own destination addiction. You know, when when you are doing one thing while thinking about the next thing or getting through this thing so you can get to the next thing, we're not doing the thing that we're doing. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying, right? We're always thinking ahead. We're always in the next thing. Even when we're doing the thing that's in front of us to do, we're thinking of the next thing that we need to do. So we're never in the thing that we're doing. Ah, a lot of things in that sentence. I'm in this job, right, you might think. I'm in this job because it's going to look great on my resume. Or I'm in this gym because I'm going to look so great when I'm done, right? I'm going to look so buff and so, you know, toned and yoked and whatever. I am happier in the new house that I'm saving up for than I am in the house that I'm actually in. I'm going to be happier in the newer relationship because I'm not going to have the challenges of the old relationship. I'll be content with the higher bank balance because I'll feel better. I'll feel more secure when I have more money in the bank. I'll be happier when. I'll be content when. I'll be okay when. When. That's destination addiction. Right? Postponing happiness all the time until some future date, which really never comes. Because when you get there, there's something else that you don't have, that you need to have in order to be happy. You must love life now. Must love life now. And all of its craziness and all of its chaos and all of its unknown in the pandemic, in the unemployment, in I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, in the, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow, in the, what do I have to make for dinner again because I cannot go out to eat? Holy moly, I've never cooked so much in my life. Okay, you know what I mean. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. Anne Lamott says, your problem is how you are going to spend this one precious life you have been issued. Whether you're going to spend it trying to look good and creating the illusion you have power over circumstances, or whether you are going to taste it, enjoy it, and find out the truth about who you really are. We have been given an opportunity here to ground ourselves in the present moment. We have been given this gift of this worldwide pandemic 
to take the time out, to, to go within, to find out, to stop and smell the roses. Really, I know it's an old cliche, but that's the gift we have been given to create, to innovate, to meditate, to get to know the inner self like you've never done before. And that is one of the big gifts this time has given to us. It's not like God sent the pandemic so that we would take the time out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, here, this is happening. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be miserable throughout the whole thing about and, and dwelling in all of the things you cannot do? Or are you going to choose to use this time wisely to be the best you you can be, to really, really find out what's in there and to create and to innovate and to change and to improve and to grow and to be on that edge of becoming our authentic self? You know, usually we're on the treadmill of getting, getting, getting. Getting, getting, getting. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You notice they don't guarantee the happiness. <laughs> the life and the liberty, they say we got. The pursuit of happiness. And that's what we've been doing all this time, haven't we? We've been pursuing it. We're always in the pursuit of it. We've been, we've been almost programmed not to actually get it, but to always pursue it, never actually accomplishing it, but to always, always be pursuing it. It's always around the corner. It's always with the next job. It's always with the next house or with the next brand new car we buy. I think the, the, the saying is, seek but do not find. And that's what this consumer-driven economy does to us. In the, course of, in the Course in Miracles, it's written, there's only one promise the ego holds out to us. And that one promise, it will keep. Hmm. That you will seek but not find. That's your ego's job. To always have us striving for more, striving for more, but never actually getting there. We keep running from goal to goal from completed project to the next, because the next holds the promise of success and happiness, but it doesn't. Loving life now is the only place the happiness is. The present moment is the only place the happiness is. That's where the joy is. That's where the love is. That's where the peace is in this present moment, regardless of circumstances. In, in Creative Mind, Ernest Holmes wrote this. He said, life is for us today. There will be no change for tomorrow unless we do the changing today. Today we are setting in motion the power of tomorrow. Today is God's day. And we must extract from it what of life we are going to live. Tomorrow, in the divine course of events, it will take care of itself. The soul learns to live in the great gladness of today and will never weary of life, but will find that he's living in an eternal here and now. Here is where all the joy is. Here is where all the passion is, all the enthusiasm. Everything that you are can come forward and be fully alive 
right here, right now. This is the eternal here and now. This is where all of our power is. It is the only place that we have where we can change the future. Right here in this, in this moment. You know, this is our anniversary, right? We, we opened Vision February 11th, 2007. 2007, and then what happened? <laughs> the great crash of 08. <laughs> Do you remember those good old days? <laughs> that great recession that we had, you know? And I remember opening it up, and then in the, you know, a couple of months into it, seeing everybody losing their jobs, and 401ks were dissolving away and just evaporating, and all of that false sense of security that, that we had dried, dried up. And I remember John and I looking at each other and going, <laughs> wow. Great timing, right? This was just the perfect time to start a new work, wasn't it? It was the absolute worst time. It was the worst time. And here we were, opening this new work, offering classes, right, that, that we chose to offer on a love offering basis because so many people were laid off. There was, there was really no extra money hanging around, right? And so practitioners in, in their love for for this new work would teach and would, would take no, no teacher's fees. They turned it all back into vision. Um, we were doing love offerings. We were, musicians were, were working at like half of what they normally charge to, to just help, you know, keep vision <laughs> in the black, right? John and I were sharing what it amounted to. It was like one full-time salary. Remember those days? That was really fun. Anyway, you know, we were, everybody was like inventing new ways to support this new work, because why? Because it was, yeah, the absolute worst time to start a new work. No, it was the absolute best time to start a new work. Because what we knew was people needed this faith philosophy. They absolutely needed it because it was the worst time, <laughs> right? And what did Ernest Holmes say? He always said, you know, the, the worst time, the worst alley, that's the best time to do your spiritual work. It is the best time to throw yourself into this philosophy because it is the time where you prove the principles to yourselves. And we found ways to do things. And we, we, we continued this new work. We allowed it to change lives through this practical spirituality because that's what people needed at the time. And that's what people need right now during this worldwide pandemic. That's what we need right now. We need this faith philosophy that absolutely knows our oneness, that knows this too shall pass, that knows that we stay steeped in the philosophy and it changes our thinking and it changes our lives. You know, back in the, in the late 1500s, back in the late 1500s, the weather in Europe changed really kind of drastically, and in what they called it, well, what we call now, in, in looking back, we called a little ice age. It lasted for a couple of hundred years. And Alan Lightman, who is a, a writer and a physicist, he, he teaches at MIT, he wrote this about that time period. He said, winters were brutally cold, and summers were damp and chilly, and greatly curtailed the growing season. Crops failed. People starved. But the change in weather forced the English, the French, and the Dutch fishermen to improve the way they built boats. 
so that they would be capable of fishing farther to the west and surviving longer trips through the rough seas. Undoubtedly, that new boat-building craft has led to the modern ships of today. This is what we do in times like these. We go within, we improvise, we, we innovate, we meditate, we create new things. What is the gift that you are being given during this time of quarantining? You know, maybe you have more time, less money. Who cares, right? Who cares about that part of it? You know, you're always saying, oh, if I only had the time, if I only had the time. Well, guess what? You've got the time now, haven't you? You've got the time. So what innovation or creation or meditation or contemplation are you immersed in right now that will change your life, that will change what you do from now on? How is this time period gifting you? You're able to think things through. You're able to do things differently. You're able to imagine a different way of being. How is this period of time growing you and changing how you think and changing what you do? How is it, how is it introducing you to new ways of doing things? I know Vision had live streaming up and running in a week right? Back in March of 2020. Something that had been on Vision's to-do list for uh, several years. Several years. Man, that shot right up to the top of our priority list in a week. The, the, the wise gentleman in the back of the room got it done. John and Jordan and Mark, uh, uh, you know, together got the, got the cameras and got everything that they needed to be up and live streaming. Learning how to conduct online teaching. Huh, that was fun. It still is fun. I'm still learning, right? Online prayer groups. Online coffee connections. I love that. The meet and greet room after this celebration, right, that we have on Zoom together. The uplift that comes to you at, at 1 o'clock during the week. All of these innovations are a byproduct of the quarantine. All of these new ways of being in the world are a product of this worldwide timeout we have been given. Because we're at choice, we could be moaning and complaining about all of the things we're missing out on, all of the things we cannot do, or we can be reveling in the possibilities of all of the things there are to learn, all of the new ways to do stuff. We can grow. And this is a time of newness for us. And the innovations that we can co-create can change our lives. We get to choose. We get to choose. I suggest and I invite you to use this time for the limitless potential that it is. We get to love life right here, right now, just as it is and just as it is not. And, and, and make the best. Make the best come true for you. Ernest Holmes, in 365 Science of Mind, wrote this. The only time to make use of the creative principle is now. The real secret to its practical application lies not in how much we know, but in the use of what we know. 
The results, large or small, much or little, depend entirely on the degree of conscientiousness, endeavor, enthusiasm, joy, conviction, and faith we can bring to bear on any particular situation. We have to become quiet and in the solitude of our own thought, discover for ourselves what it is we actually believe and then proceed to put that faith into creative action through patterns of thinking built around that faith. We are given this time out to be reborn, to refresh, to renew, to create ourselves anew. We are being given this time out to use wisely, not to sit around and complain about what we can no longer do, but to discover what we can do right here, right now, in this situation, and in this powerful now with its limitless possibilities, create a new tomorrow for ourselves and for each other and for the world. Thank you.